You're listening to the Matthew Sermon Series at Sojourn Midtown. In this series, we are following Jesus as he calls us to take on his yoke so that we may experience true flourishing. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Matthew 13, 24 through 33. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's servants came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So, do you want us to go and pull them up? The servants asked him. No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it's grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman took and uh, like is, let me start over. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, peace be with you. All right. Well, it's a, uh, a big Sunday, as you guys know, uh, Super Bowl Sunday today, and uh, and people all over the U.S. are really excited about that. I'm not sure if that's you or not. But regardless, here at Sojourn, we know that this is not the biggest weekend in February. We've got two other weekends that are just as big and exciting uh, as the Super Bowl. And uh, one is next Friday. We are hosting a Redeemed Marriage. Redeemed Marriage. How many of you have ever heard about Redeemed Marriage? Woo-hoo! All right, Redeemed Marriage is Friday, February 7th. It uh, will be held here from 6.30 to 9.30, and it's only $10. If you are uh, married, uh, we want to invite you uh, to come and to to learn more about marriage and to enjoy a a sweet, uh, romantic, Christ-filled, God-exalting day uh, with your bride. So uh, this is the perfect Valentine's gift, by the way. So, man, if you're wondering, what should I get my wife on Valentine's Day? I guarantee you it's this, all right? (laughs) Wives are like, (laughs) but uh, we're really excited about this. Uh, Some of our our staff this week have just been going crazy. I mean, they have just been smiling and jumping. And, uh, man, if I could, I would just jump from the pulpit to the floor right now to just express my excitement. But I won't. All right. Second. Not only do we have redeemed marriage, we also uh, have a CG Summit. 
and what this is, this is, is for everyone here. Everyone here. Community groups are the heartbeat of our church. Uh, without uh, healthy community groups, there's, it's impossible for us to uh, fulfill our, our vision, which is to fill up our city with gritty disciple makers. And so we want to invite you to come out for uh, this wonderful day to learn more about the vision of community groups as, uh, as well as to, to grow with your community group. So it will be wonderful if we can have a handful of people from each community group to come out and to take the next step for your group. So we've got classes on neighboring. Uh, Neighboring 101, uh, which will be taught by our Mercy Director, uh, Chrissy Ivey. We've got uh, Discipleship and Community, which will be taught by our Discipleship Pastor, Gospel Care and Community. Like, how do you care for people in your community? What's a a healthy standard, uh, which will be taught by our care leaders. We got Great Commission Community, how to reach the the nations and your neighbors um, as well as a community group. And finally, we've got the Quiver Full Community Group. Uh, Some of your community groups have so many kids. The kids outweigh the adults. And you're like, we don't know what to do, right? Um, How to to have a Quiver uh, Full Community Group, uh, which will be taught by uh, Pastor Timothy Paul Jones. So uh, if you're not excited about the Super Bowl and you're looking forward to having an exciting weekend this year, come to one or both of these events. Let's open up with a word of prayer as my Super Bowl commercial period is now ended. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness towards us. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just have your way in this service. Uh, I pray that you would help us to have good soil even as we listen, that we would remove any thorns, any uh, sticks, anything that would uh, choke out your word and, and keep us from, uh, from hearing from you. Your sheep hear your voice and a stranger they will not follow. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, one of the best gifts that God has uh, given us as human beings is the gift of language, the ability to communicate and to move the human heart with words. Uh, words are powerful. Words can build up or they, uh, of course, can, can tear down. Words can cause a revival, a, a revolution. Uh, words, and in many cases, uh, the pen is mightier than the sword. And Within the human language, we know that there's all types of, of genres of, 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 of language, all types of genres of writing. We can tell stories. We've got similes, metaphors, poetry, and so forth. And, uh, and one of the things that we've been gifted with is the gift of analogy, the, the, the gift of similes, the gift of, of metaphors, the, the uh, ability to say short, pithy statements that, that end up sticking as a result of, of great comparisons. I was just thinking this week about some short statements we hear often that we don't even think about, but they've stuck through the centuries here in America because they, they paint such a quick, vivid picture, saying something is as light as a feather or someone is as dead as a doornail or that person is as busy as a bee or the house was as quiet as a mouse. Great analogies, great metaphors, great similes, uh, they work uh, because they are clear. They stick because in some ways the comparison makes sense. And Jesus has given us many metaphors 
many similes, many word pictures uh, throughout the Gospels that have stuck through the centuries that both Christians and non-Christians use. I could say dozens of them, but I was thinking about one this week. And, and, and that I, I've recently heard someone say just in passing, like, man, that person is as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. I'm like, oh, that's Jesus. I don't know if you're a Christian or not, but that's Jesus, right? Uh, these, these word pictures, these analogies, these similes, they help to bring clarity. And Jesus was the master communicator. Uh, Matthew is, is full of, of, of different episodes, different discourses, five discourses in Matthew. Uh, the most famous sermon that was ever preached was preached by Jesus, and he had memorable statements in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, which we call the Discourse on the Hill or the Sermon on, on the Mount. And so it's not by accident that when Jesus spoke in ways that was unclear, when Jesus used parables in ways that uh, did not have one clear meaning, in ways that uh, uh, did not communicate a, a message that was easily to be grasped on the, the surface, uh, that we can conclude that Jesus must have done it intentionally. And so last week we talked about how Jesus used parables in Matthew chapter 13. He used short stories that were punched with similes and, and, and metaphors that, that made comparisons and using the word like or as. And he used these stories in, intentionally sometimes to to actually divide. This text also shows us that, that Jesus uh, not only used parables to divide, but he also used parables as a, as a prophetic uh, means in order to fulfill messianic promises. In Matthew 13, verse 34, for example, it says, Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables, and he did not tell them anything without a parable so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. I will open my mouth in parables. I will declare things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So part of the reason Jesus preached in parables was to bring revelation to some and separation to others. But, but another reason that Jesus would use parables and as Matthew quotes Psalm 78 here in, in Asaph, was to, uh, as a messianic fulfillment. Well, today we're going to look at three parables. Three parables where the meaning of the parable is, is not found on the surface. In fact, the first parable that Jesus uses, the, the parable of the wheat and the weeds, he's going to explain after telling two more parables to his disciples. But all these parables have some things in common, and the main thing they have in common is that they were, were told in order to reveal uh, the nature of the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 4, Matthew tells us that when Jesus came preaching, he came preaching the kingdom of heaven. He came preaching about this, this, this reality that was of God's kingdom, that, that God's reign and his rule was near and that in order to have life with God one needed to accept his king Jesus is this king but Jesus told these parables these short stories with big meaning these short assemblies with with big meanings for a reason and my dream today is that if you are a Christian or even if you're not a Christian, that you will see his main purpose in these parables. 
which is to show that, that the kingdom of, of heaven, the kingdom of heaven and the king of the kingdom of heaven is patient and powerful. And God's kingdom, it, it's, it's in some ways hidden, but it is going to have an unexpected and inevitable growth. And so today I want us to look at these parables, but I want to start off with the second and third uh, parable here. And in and, and both the second and third parable, verses 31 through uh, 33, we see that Jesus uses two parables. And the first he says is this, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. So we see here that Jesus uses this, uh, this, this analogy, and, and he uses one of a master seed. And, and Jesus' uh, uh, listeners would have been familiar with a, a mustard uh, bush. A mustard seed is, is very small, one to two millimeters big. You can just kind of picture a small dot on your finger. And when it, it grows, it can grow to be anywhere from 8 to 12 feet with the average height of about 9 feet tall. It, it resembles a, a tree, though uh, technically it's not a tree. It's a, a large plant. And Jesus said, this is a, a characteristic of the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom of heaven, it, it starts small, but it grows to be big. And for those who are Old Testament scholars, you know, it points you back to this vision that, that Daniel had of a, large, of a large tree. So this mustard seed is taken, the small seed is taken, and then it is hidden in the ground, and it becomes large. And I want you to re- remember what Jesus is doing here. He is talking to disciples, and he is discipling them. He is teaching them about the kingdom of God, what it means to be a follower of, of, of Christ. And so as we, we hear this, we want to remember that, that, that Jesus' disciples, maybe at max, was about 500 after his resurrection. The Bible says that Jesus appeared to about 500 after the resurrection. And, 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 and Jesus is going to give, by the end of Matthew, this commission for these disciples to go into all of the world, to go into all the nations and to teach uh, them to, to obey all his commandments, to baptize them, to to come and to be a part of his kingdom. And that, that could be overwhelming. That could be overwhelming. What Jesus is reminding his disciples is that even though it's going to start small, the growth of the kingdom is, is unexpected and inevitable. And Jesus is going to do the same thing here with this next illustration as he talks about the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took. She mixes the leaven into 50 pounds of flour until it all was leavened, until it, until it spreads. By definition, we know that leaven is a substance such as like yeast or, or, or baking powder that causes formation and expansion, uh, the rise of, of, of dough or batter. And the leavening process took significant time. It takes up to four hours as the yeast spreads throughout the dough. And Jesus' point with the leaven is the same point that he had with the mustard seed. 
You take this, something that is small and that is planted or, or hidden and that begins to, to grow uh, in the right environment organically and it expands and grows into something that is extremely large. Its growth is unexpected but inevitable. Jesus here is, is, is reminding the church, is reminding uh, the people of God about the way in which the kingdom works. That the kingdom will spread unexpectedly but inevitably. That even though this, this movement is small in Rome, and even though these early Christians are going to be seen as a sect or uh, in many ways as a, a cult, that, that as, as God continues to work, it will grow to be a beautiful tree by which people will come to find shade all around the world. I was talking to a, a church planner a, a couple of years ago who was in New York. I went to New York to, to visit him. And as I was talking to him about some of the challenges of us starting, and we call it church planting, planting a, a church that we hope will grow to be a, a healthy plant, he talked about how one of the more discouraging things is to, to realize that planting a church in a city like New York is not like what we see in many Midwest cities. In many Midwest cities, you plant a church, uh, you you you. You uh, uh, go on social media, you put a blast out, you go door to door, you hand out flyers, you put up signs, and, and people are more likely to take notice, perhaps because of the size of the city or, or what, what not. He said, but in New York, you find out amazing events after they happen, if you find out, because it's such a big city, and every weekend there are 15 amazing things happening. So to invite someone to a, a church or to a service, one, and many, because it's so secular, it seems weird, but two, uh, most people aren't impressed because there's so many other things vying for one's attention. And I imagine that this is what the disciples must have felt like as they are in Rome. There's all these different philosophies and, and religions and, and way of life. And Jesus has these crowds and, and they're following him. And he's preaching these clear, amazing sermons that people are walking away saying, man, this is incredible. This is amazing. We've never heard anything like it. And then all of a sudden, when a crowd is at its biggest, Jesus just begins to tell these these parables tell these, these stories, and people are left thinking, like, what is he talking about? Do you understand? No, I don't understand. I thought you said he was clear. Ah, I thought he was clear, too. He's not been very clear. And, and, and his disciples can feel overwhelmed, like, what are you doing? And Jesus is saying, this is the way God works. This is the way of the kingdom. The kingdom is not something that is just going to explode. I'm not a, 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 a Messiah that is going to come and just take over. I work in hidden, small, unexpected ways. But at the end, when it matures, people are going to see and know about it. <laughs> we serve a God that uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. We serve a, a, a God that will take someone like Abram and say, you will be the father of many nations. That will take someone like Moses who, who, who stuttered and, and, and who felt like he didn't speak well and, and take him before a powerful king and, and cause him to, to release his people. We serve a God who found a, a, a man like David, a, a boy in a shepherd field and say, you will become a mighty king. We serve a, a, the God of, of Esther who will take a, a beautiful but unknown woman and, 
and give are more influence than anyone else in the kingdom. God's ways are often hidden and, and subtle, but, but the growth is inevitable. I think about the ways of God even when I think about this own country and its, its history of of, of oppression and racism, even as we go into February, which we celebrate as Black History Month, and how the Jim Crow way of life and, and the U.S. systems of segregation, this uh, equal but, but separate ruled, and how, how God took ordinary men and women and, and allowed them to come together and allowed churches to come together to say enough is enough and took a, a, a woman who was tired and, and who refused to give up her seat to spark a, a movement that would eventually put a dent in systems and structures that were meant to oppress. This is how God works. And so Jesus then goes on and he gives this explanation of the wheat and the weeds. And he tells a story about a sower. And he's explicit in his explanation. The sower is the son of man. That's a title and his favorite title for himself. It's an Old Testament title that uh, pointed to the, the coming Messiah. And then Jesus talked about how the sower went out and he sowed good seeds. And these seeds, unlike last week, the seeds, remember, represented uh, the word of God, uh, Jesus essentially as a sower going out and, and, and preaching the word, and the seed fell on different types of soil, only one being good soil. Well, this time, the, the good seed uh, represents the children of the kingdom. And then he talks about how these seeds uh, will grow to be, be wheat, but how one night someone, an enemy came to spread uh, seeds that were weeds, and he says that this is the evil one. It represents the devil. And now what's interesting is, is that as Jesus' crowd is listening to this, they're aware of a, a type of weed that looks like wheat. It looks just like wheat. And as the wheat is growing, this weed will grow to mimic the wheat for most of its life. But there comes a point where the weed begins to look like weed. And an experienced farmer would not go and separate the wheat from the weed if the wheat was not at full maturation. Because not only would the weed be choking the wheat, but, but the wheat was also poisonous. So to separate the two could be to contaminate the wheat. So what the farmer would do is they would wait till the wheat had grown to maturation and then he would go out and do the painstaking task of taking out each of these wheats. Jesus' audience would have also known that this was an evil thing to do, to tear up someone's crop. It's to tear up their livelihood, to hurt their family. And history records this was a huge crime that, that Rome would not allow to go unpunished. So Jesus is explaining this parable, and, and he's explaining that the seed represents the children of heaven and that these weeds represents children of the evil one. And he asked the question, he says, should we separate the two, the servant asked. And some people think when he's asking that, that, the, that this is a picture of the church. 
And Jesus is saying everybody can be a part of the church. We don't know who's truly in the kingdom or who's not, but one day it will be revealed. So as Christians, don't judge those who are in the church who are living lives of immorality because they really can just be immature. But that's not what Jesus is saying. How do we know that? Because we know in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is going to say the opposite. If your brother or sister has offended you or living in sin, it's your responsibility to go to that person one-on-one. If they don't listen, take someone with you. If they still don't listen, you take it before the church. But we also know that because Jesus is clear in this metaphor that this field represents the world. And so in essence, what Jesus is teaching his disciples is, listen, as those who are part of my kingdom, uh, you are not to be on the aggressive, uh, 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 kind of uh, retaliatory way of living as kingdom citizens. Uh, You are not to live in a way that is to bring shame and condemnation, but rather to live in light of judgment. Going back to Matthew chapter uh, 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 5, your qualities is not like the qualities of those in the world. You are to be humble, poor in spirit. You are to be meek, and meekness isn't weakness, but it's controlled strength. You are to hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is what it means to be salt. This is what it means to be light in and, and, and front of the world. And you let me, you let me bring the judgment. You let when the end time comes. And so Jesus is telling this parable, and then we're going to see that this parable is about to escalate rather quickly. Verse 39, and the enemy who sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. So see this picture, the end of the age. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking of himself, will send out his angels and they will gather from his kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. And they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Let everyone who has ears. Listen. What do we do with these parables? Well, the first thing we do is is we embrace the way of the kingdom. Jesus uses these agrarian uh, ways of speaking in these, these metaphors that have to do with, uh, with, with, with leaven for a reason. And and he uses even the third parable not to discourage us as Christians, but actually to to encourage us and to let us know that the way of God is is a way of of patience. It's also a way of of power. And that God's kingdom, though it it starts small and often has small beginnings, it's it's shrewd, it's it's hidden, and and it's, it's unexpected, but its growth will be inevitable. And I think the word that the Lord has for us here at Midtown as we seek to to fill up our city with gritty disciple makers is, is, is to remember God's ways and to remember that, that we as, as wheat, we as children of the Father, we are, are living in a world in which we will be misunderstood. 
We are, are living in a world in which the evil one has sown seeds, has sown his philosophy, his way of, of living. And, and, and even with this poison that is, is around us, that we can find ourselves discouraged. We can find ourselves seeking to, to fit in. We can find ourselves discouraged because it seems like God's kingdom is not growing. And if you have become a disciple of Jesus Christ... Jesus is reminding us that blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is reminding us that the kingdom of heaven does not come with a a huge fanfare. Jesus is reminding us that that, that those who are kingdom citizens will not be the most popular and won't hear thank you. Jesus is reminding us that those who are considered righteous are not those who wear long robes, and who have bells on their robes, and who pray to be seen, who fast to be seen, who give to be seen, who live to be seen. No, that is counter-kingdom culture. But rather, those who are true citizens of the kingdom are those who are finding their identity in their king. They're finding their justification from him, and they are okay with being hidden. They are okay with living in secret because they know that their heavenly father sees them in secret and that their reward is to come. The ways of God is hidden. The ways of God is patient. The ways of God is not popular. For those of you who are here and you are in middle school or high school, man, my heart goes out to you. I I remember becoming a Christian uh, early in in middle school and and seeking to live faithfully in in middle school, seeking to live faithfully in in high school and just always feeling like, man, I just never quite fit in, desiring to fit in, but always knowing that there was something different and and, and being put in in, in difficult situations of, of temptation and and, and peer pressure, and I just want to let you know if you're here and you've been baptized and you've been affirmed by this congregation that the way of the kingdom is often unpopular, it's often unappreciated, and like a mustard seed, like leaven, you just allow the Lord to continue to grow you, to continue to ferment you. You just keep obedient and practice obedience in the same direction, and one day your righteousness, which is Christ, will shine through you like the sun. And the same is true as for ministry leaders and seasoned saints. This is a call to keep being faithful, to plug away, knowing that your work and your life does matter, knowing that small beginnings can grow. And this is an encouragement to us as a church to continue to be faithful even when we feel small. To continue to to walk the way of truth, to continue to cultivate beauty, to to continue to do goodness, to to do as as Micah said, to to, to love mercy, to, to do justice, to walk humbly before the Lord your God because the Lord will use it. And even tonight we're going to gather and we're going to have a, a, a parties. As we huddle around the Super Bowl, some of us will be distracted. We'll watch the, that, that Super Bowl game. Uh, uh, even if we got guests there, we're going to be more in tune with Mahomes than who we invited. And that's okay. 
But know that the Lord can, can use your presence. The Lord can use that, that, that dip that you made. The Lord can use those chips. The Lord can use your, your smile. The Lord can use you explaining your job and how painstakingly boring it is, but how you go in there because you, you know uh, uh, that you are working as unto the Lord and not as unto man. The Lord can use your, your story to bring someone into his kingdom. The Lord works in unexpected but inevitable ways as we pursue faithfulness. Second, this text encourages us to turn to Jesus so that we too may one day shine like the sun. We see at the end of the age there are two types of people. There are those who are in the kingdom of God and those who are not. Those who are characterized as wheat and those who are characterized as weeds. And this is an intense scene. Jesus said that these weeds are gathered and burned in the fire. Jesus says that, that those who are our weeds, again in verse 42, that they are thrown into the blazing furnace where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the first thing I want us to see is that throughout the scriptures we see that there's these two distinctions, those who belong to God because they came through Jesus Christ by faith, through grace, not because of their good works, but because of what Christ has done on their behalf. And they place all of their weight, all of their trust on his good works. And as a result, they escape God's wrath, God's punishment for their infinite amount of sins. They are forgiven and cherished and given an abundant life. They receive God's Holy Spirit which, which is teaching them to, to say no to ungodliness, which is making them to look more like the most beautiful person in all the universe, like Jesus. But then there are those who, who are not. First John says, this is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Two categories, those who are weak, those who are weak, those who are God's children, those who are the devil's children. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. And we know that, that John has taught us that the way in which one becomes a children of God is by accepting eternal life through Christ Jesus. In John 8, 44, we read, John writes, you are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus here in this context is talking to religious leaders, people who say that they know God, but they didn't know him because they did not have a relationship with Jesus and come to God through him. Later on, Jesus will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus' message through the scripture is explicit that the only way to eternal life, the only way to be in the Father's kingdom is through him. And listen, this is a very sad ending. And I don't say this with, with any glee in my heart. 
And if you don't know Jesus, I do not say this to heap judgment upon you, but I say this because I, I love you as an image bearer of God. And I want to see you in the kingdom of God. I want to see you know him as father. That this passage warns that those who do not repent of their sins and trust in Jesus Christ as their righteousness will have an agonizing eternal state. One that is symbolized by gnashing of teeth and being set on fire. And so today, hear Jesus' message as he intended it to be. If you are unsure if you belong to the Father, if you are unsure if you are a kingdom citizen, seek the face of Jesus. Make him king of your life, Lord of your life. Give over managing your life and living your life for your own advantage. Fall to your knees. Cry out to him. Confess him as Lord and Savior and be saved. And if you're tempted to to hear me say turn or burn, and you're tempted to hear this as a, a, a message that is not one of love, I want you to imagine this scenario. I want you to imagine how miserable you will be if you almost won the lottery. I want you to imagine that you played the lottery and you decided to, to listen as the winning lottery numbers were being announced. And you got the first number right. Now, I don't play the lottery, so I don't know how many numbers it is. I'm going to guess seven. I heard pick seven before. <laughs> but imagine you're playing the lottery. Get the first one right. You're like, oh, man. You get the second one right. Like, wow. You get the third one right. Like, everybody be quiet. <laughs> get the fourth one right. Oh, my goodness. You get the fifth one right, you start standing on the couch. <laughs> the sixth one is right. You're like, I can't believe this is happening. And then the seventh one comes, and you missed it. And not only did you miss it, but you missed it by one digit. I want you to imagine that feeling in your stomach of missing being a millionaire, a jackpot by one digit. And I want you to imagine you, you are in line, or you're not in line, you're on your computer about to pay a bill, and you're thinking to yourself, I could have been a millionaire every time you go to pay a bill, but I just missed it. And here's what I want to say to you. If you are here today and you have heard this invitation to come to Jesus, you said, come to me, all you who are, are laden and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus says, I have come to give you abundant life. Jesus says, I have created you so that you might know me and experience my glory. I am who you've been looking for. I can give you joy. I can give you peace. You have a, a heavenly father that loves you, that wants to forgive you, that can, that can, 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 can make you uh, live a, a life uh, that is, is not contingent upon uh, uh, your own success or your bank account or what other people say about you, but that you can have a, a joy that the world uh, didn't give and that the world could not take away. If you hear this invitation today, one day, and you deny it, one day you will stand before this Jesus that I preach about. This Jewish, Nazarene, filled with glory, Jesus. 
and you will realize that he was Lord. And you will feel like you just missed the lottery as moments like this will come to mind. And the Bible says, and then there will be gnashing of teeth. This gnashing of teeth, I believe, is, is almost an anger, a hatred, because you, you missed that opportunity. And I beg you, I beg you to consider Jesus as Lord. I beg you to see that he died upon a rugged cross so that you might have life. I beg you to acknowledge that he was resurrected, that he ascended to heaven, and that he's coming back again. And on that day, there will be two separate lines, one for those who are weak, one for those who are tares, one for those who belong to the Father and who are his children, and, and the other for those who may have been people who shot for morality and may have been people who would have considered themselves good, but who did not do the one major thing required to enter into God's kingdom, which is to accept Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus. If you're a Christian here today and you're backslidden and you're lukewarm, run to Jesus today. Allow him to be the manager of your life. Every Sunday when we gather together, we take a meal called communion. This meal reminds us that Jesus did not speak uh, this, this message of the coming judgment as one who is mean or evil, but as one who so loved the world. He so loved the world that he, he gave his life for the world. The Father so loved the world that he gave his only son for the world. And every Sunday we take this meal, we give thanks for uh, the bread, knowing that this bread is the body of Christ. We drink wine or juice. The wine is marked by twine, whatever your conscience permits. And, and we take this meal to remind ourselves of how much God loved us, that he allowed his own son body to be broken for us. We, we take the bread, we dip it in wine or juice. The wine is marked by twine, whatever your conscience permits. And for those of you who are Christians, let's take and let's eat, let's savor uh, this meal, remembering where we were when Christ found us, remembering that the kingdom of God is patient but powerful and that God calls us like wheat to grow with patience and to know his power. And if you're not a Christian, uh, today I want you to sit and just to receive this message. If you are uh, 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 not a Christian, there will be other Christians who are not taking communion for, for other reasons, seeking to, to make their heart uh, 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 right with the Lord. So let's take and let's eat. Those of you in the front, you come to the back. Those in the back, uh, you can go to the back for communion. Gluten-free and alcohol-free communion is to my left. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.